0: The true guru is within. And each of us must take responsibility for manifesting the guru. The guru is not an external person. The external person who is often referred to the guru is simply the one who has the job to remind you that the guru is within. Okay? It's like the conductor of a, an orchestra. The conductor doesn't make any music but just points to the others who make all the music. So there's nothing special about the guru except to hold that space of emptiness and see the divine, to see the guru in everyone and give it the permission and the encouragement to manifest. And the more humble that each of us is in playing that role of surrendering to the inner guru, and seeing the guru in each other, the more that the unity of our being as a single super-organism in which the guru, which is God, manifests through all of us simultaneously will be attained as a reality. That's why in our ashram, there will be no worship of any guru as an external individual. And and unfortunately, that did happen there, and I think it was a mistake, and it led to uh, the degradation of the lineage. But that's a whole other question that that we don't need to go into tonight. But it is very important that it is recognized that the emptiness of non-egoic life is what the Guru really is. And that each of us must play the role of living in that emptiness in which the God-Self manifests. But no one claims ownership or monopoly of being on any throne in which one is uh, seen in that way to the exclusion of others. Okay. So, as Muktananda does say, the most humble is the one who should and will be thought of, whether formally or not, as a guide for others. What we want to create is a We could call it a sophiocracy if we wish. The rule, the governance by the wisest, by the most humble, by the most loving, by the most non egoic. And this form of social organization is the one that has been recommended by every spiritual tradition and by every political tradition in the ancient world. Plato recommended it. If you read Plato's Republic, he's really describing an ashram. An ashram combined with an eco village. Okay? Because he's saying that there are many people who won't want to be in the ashram, but the, those who are the ashramites, the guardians, as, as Plato puts it in his Republic, will live in a non-egoic way, will be brought up from birth in that way, so that that non-egoic uh, class can govern with uh, wisdom the the class of those who want to remain in the ego at least to some extent but who will look up to those who uh, are are able to live in a non-egoic way and keep the society in balance in the same way that in classical india in the caste system before it got corrupted the brahmin class was the highest class that's the class of those who are dedicated to non-egoic Surrender uh, to, to God to be the manifestation of the guru. The second class are those of the rulers, the kshatriya. The kshatriya are not the highest class. But they do have the political power. And yet, when the Brahmins say, No, no, you mustn't do that, king. The king must listen. So they have no power themselves of command. That, that goes to the next class, but they can veto it. In the same way that in ancient Israel, the prophets played that role. The prophet could go to King David and say, No, 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 you, what you did with Bathsheba is wrong, you know, uh, and, and could rebalance the kingdom. It worked for a while, but th- then it lost that capacity as the souls became too egoic and w- the prophets uh, ran out, you know. Uh, and then eventually, the, the, the societies began to kill the prophets, crucify them. and and we went into a a real tailspin. But it is that uh, non-egoic governance which is so important, and that's why we want to create a council of swamis, of those who have reached that level, who will be the governing board of, of the community, that everyone respects and honors for their inner work, for their purification their simplicity, their generosity of spirit. And there will be no sense then in, in such a situation that there's any illegitimate authority that's forcing people to do something. And there will be a true honoring of that and a realization that every, it's open to everyone through their own uh, inner work to become swamis and to, uh, to be leaders of the community. So, uh, to protect the integrity of the community, there have to be such criteria and such standards, but they are objective, and at the same time, they are uh, criteria that can be recognized by everyone. If someone's in that state, or if one's in an egoic state, it's clear. Uh, So, the, uh, the integrity of the ashram can only be maintained so long as there is that value orientation egolessness and not putting a single person on the pedestal and saying he or she is the one who has to play that role Uh, and then you either critique uh, you know and shoot down the guru for failing uh, or you 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 say well they're doing the inner work i don't have to do it i can just worship and chant and all of that and don't have to give up my egoic sanskaras Uh, you know like the catholic church in the sale of indulgences, which led to the Protestant Revolution, right? You don't have to do anything about your sins. Give us money, we'll pray for you. We'll make sure you go to heaven anyway, even though you're a sinner. You, we can even pray for your grandfather who's already dead. You'll get to heaven just, you know, keep the money pouring in. It worked for a long time, but it led to the degradation of, of the church. So uh, we each have to take complete responsibility for being the place in which God manifests. That's the meaning of guru, from my perspective.